Welcome to the Empire Builders Podcast, teaching business owners the not-so-secret techniques that took famous businesses from mom-and-pop to major brands. Stephen Semple is a marketing consultant, story collector, and storyteller. I'm Stephen's sidekick and business partner, Dave Young. Before we get into today's episode, a word from our sponsor, which is, well, it's us. But we're highlighting ads we've written and produced for our clients. So here's one of those. Meanwhile, at Seaside Plumbing, Lauren is teasing Josh about a joke gone wrong. Josh, why does your office door sign say that? What do you mean, Lauren? My door has my name on it. That's not your name, Josh. One of the plumbers put it up. They heard the story. You remember, don't you? I remember having to call the phone company to get them to change the caller ID for Seaside. Didn't think they took me seriously. It was a joke. So when you set up the business line for Seaside Plumbing, you thought it would be funny. Still makes me laugh. To tell the phone company that your alias was... Big Daddy Josh Martin. Do you know how long it took me to get Big Daddy out of the phone book listing? I remember. Thank you, Lauren. Seaside Plumbing, also known as Big Daddy Josh Martin. Okay, kind of funny now. I still regret not holding on to one of those old phone books. Seaside Plumbing has changed a lot in the last 20 years. But some things are still the same? I'm not calling you Big Daddy. In a sea of ordinary, choose extraordinary. Visit SeasidePlumbingInc.com. License in Delaware and Maryland. Welcome back to the Empire Builders Podcast. Dave Young here alongside Stephen Semple. And Stephen whispered uh, today's topic into my ear and then hit the record button and away we go. And and this is a this is kind of a new one. This is one of those internet companies that was uh has been uh, a disruptive force, a revolutionary force in in a lot of ways about how people go about raising money and sustaining artistic endeavors. We're gonna talk about Patreon today. Yeah, Patreon was founded on May 2nd, 2013. So yeah, relatively mm-hmm. new company by Jack Conti from the band Pumplemousse and a school buddy of his, Sam Yam. And if Jack was here, he would say it was not a disruptive force. He would say it was a helpful force. Oh, I, I agree. I'm just saying a disruptive, uh, not, not, not like an Uber or an Airbnb where it's disruptive and upsets a whole industry but in a way that uh, disrupts the way maybe you could fund your band or, or fund an artistic endeavor. And it's almost a throwback to um, um, uh, Renaissance days when artists had patrons, right? I mean, that's where they got their name. Right. You would have rich people that would say, you know, I love what you're doing and uh, keep doing it. Here's some money every month. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just, keep, just keep being you. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a, a beautiful thing, a beautiful platform. Yeah, and it's really interesting how it came to be because today it's valued at over a billion dollars, and there's two hundred thousand content creators and artists, musicians that are on the platform. Four hundred employees. They have three million monthly active patrons on the platform. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. It supports a lot of people you know and people you don't, including organizations like the Whiskey Vault, right? Mm-hmm. Like it supports the, the distillery. So both Sam and Jack had this mutual love of music, and they were roommates in Stanford University. And Sam studied computer science. When he was in Stanford, he had this little internet burger business, kind of pre-DoorDash. He would, you know take burger orders and go get them. And you know, there was one time he found himself pulling into a drive-thru at night and ordering over a hundred burgers at a time. <laughs> okay. So while Sam was doing that, Jack studied music in college and Jack had actually started in physics 
and decided he didn't like it and rolled over into music. And he was an artist and interested in being a full-time artist. And in college, he was doing movies and soundtracks for movies. And in 2006, they both graduated. And Sam goes to work in tech startup. And Jack starts a band with his girlfriend, now wife, Natalie. And this is where Jack is a really interesting person because Jack had been watching YouTube. He would wonder if he could use it to get views because he would put up these videos Mm -hmm. of him playing music in his bedroom. And he sold MP3s online for a few hundred bucks a month on eJunkie. And he felt like he could make money on music. And when iTunes came out, this was a game changer because of the ease of now selling music. And what he realized was at its heart, YouTube is a search engine. So if you post a cover of a song that is popular, and if it's a good cover, it will get people watching it. And if they like it, they will look for your other music and then go and buy it on iTunes. And this was working pretty well. He was making some money. And then in 2009, something magical happened. They created a cover of the video, All the Single Ladies by Beyonce, and it exploded. That video today has over 11 million views. And at the time, music videos looked like music videos and what he made was very different. So exploded, he got millions of views, media interviews, gigs, and he's selling his music on iTunes. Like they're making a living selling their music on iTunes. Then they get a call from some managers and press, and then they strike lightning a second time and they do Telephone by Lady Gaga. Boom. They release an album. They're making $22,000 a month and they own all of it because they didn't do anything with a record company. This is all their own distribution. Record labels continue to call, but they decide not to do that. They want to stay independent. They're making a living. They're touring. Jack at his peak is making $400,000 a year doing music, right? Bought a house, built a recording studio. Everything's going great. Then Spotify comes along Mm. and it killed everything, killed revenue because the user base was not there and the volume didn't make up for the revenue loss. Like Mm. the mechanics on Spotify is a little different today, but when Spotify first came out, it destroyed all this stuff. Spotify grew reach. So he was reaching more people than ever, but revenue collapsed. He he now to make money had to sell hats and paraphernalia to make a living. And, And he didn't want to do that. And he found himself dipping into his savings. And this led to a moment of revelation. So they had a renter in the house at the time who had gone on this new platform called Kickstarter. Right, yeah. And she raised 12 grand to make a record. And what inspired him was that it was her fans that funded the record. So he and Natalie did it as well. But even more successfully, they got over $100,000 in Kickstarter to make a record. So... Now, the next thing he decided to do is create this video called Pedals. Cost 10 grand. And had he realized how much it was going to cost, he, he, like he says, he would never have done it. It was one of those things I wanted to start to do this. It just grew and grew and grew and grew. Invested 10 grand into it and realized that this video could get millions of views and maybe he'd get a hundred bucks. <laughs> like it kind of made him sick. And he didn't want to have to continually do Kickstarters. There are a series of one-offs. What he wanted was something more like a stream of revenue. And he felt 
this was wrong, that for the makers of things, the economics didn't evolve with the distribution. And he yeah. looked around and he saw these membership programs. So he grabbed a piece of paper and he sketched out what a site would look like to collect payments from a fan to a creator. And he picked yeah. up the phone and he called his buddy. He called his buddy, Sam. Remember Sam? Yeah. Sam from university who stayed in the computer industry. So while Jack was becoming famous as an artist, Sam had started a company creating iPhone games built millions of users, sold ads on the apps, and the business was acquired pretty quickly. So he built this up and sold it, started another company. And what he realized, what these ventures taught him was how hard it is to build an audience and how mm. big an audience really needs to, to make money. So when Jack called him with the idea, like the sketch out, he was like immediately in. Because what cool. they both loved was this idea of, here's a way to help artists make a living. So they built out the site and they targeted 40 artists that they knew and reached out to them for the launch. Guess how many signed up for the launch? Probably not very many because people don't yeah. think about new things. It was basically three, himself, three. his wife, Natalie, and the roommate. <laughs> oh, so, so kind of no one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> really, really no one. <laughs> So at the end of Jack's video pedals, which remember was getting millions of views, so that's why this is an important part of the story, he put a link to Patreon. Just put this link, hey, there's this new thing, go over and do it. And what Jack also did was create tiers of support. So $1 a month was access to a stream and first access to concert tickets. $3 a month, you would get video he did these video tutorials on audio production. Just remember, that's what mm -hmm. he did in school. And for $10 a month, a Google Hangout. At the last minute, he decided to add a $100 tier. And here's the part that I love, because I'm often talking to customers about creating levels of service and packages. And I always say to them, mm -hmm. make up a big number and throw it out there and add it. And almost always, and I've had this happen with myself as well, you create it with the expectation no one will do it. A oh, hundred bucks yeah. a month, no one's going to pay it. But guess what? A bunch of people did. Yeah. Now, with that one, what he did was these exclusive Skype sessions with people. And he was quite surprised. He thought, you know, he might on average collect a couple of bucks a month. The average turned out to be $7 a month. And within the first few weeks, he's getting 5K a month. And quickly, awesome. he's making over $100,000 a year this way. He had 125,000 patrons in the first 18 months. And by May 2017, he's got 50,000 creators and a million monthly patrons. By March 2022, there's 250,000 creators and 8 million patrons. So the thing's really growing. And what he realized is creators watch creators. Stay tuned. We're going to wrap up this story and tell you how to apply this lesson to your business right after this. Hey, Rick, how's it going? Okay, fine. That doesn't sound okay. Well, what is it? My business. What about it? You probably wouldn't understand. Hit me. Well, you know I love it. But? My revenues have flatlined and I'm not growing anymore. Okay. Well... It's frustrating and depressing, and it was so much better when we were growing. Oh, I bet it was. And nothing I've tried has moved the needle. What about talking to Steven? Steven who? You know, the guy that hosts this podcast. Really? You think he could help? I hear he runs a paid-for-performance marketing agency. I wonder how that works. Why don't you ask him how? Book one of those free starter sessions on the podcast website. I don't know. You can't say you've tried everything. If you don't try this. You're right. I might even learn something. I bet you do. Thanks, man. Let's go grab a bite. Yeah, sounds good. 
right after you call Stephen. Okay, okay. Book your starter session on this podcast website. Just visit theempirebuilderspodcast.com and click on Get Started. Let's pick up our story where we left off, and trust me, you haven't missed a thing. Every creator has an automatic community. By him putting his thing out saying, I'm doing this thing on Patreon, and a creator looks at his thing goes, oh, what's this Patreon thing? So it had this automatic, viral, built-in community. Yeah. Now, there's a certain point where they needed to raise money because they needed money as well as a team. Even when they're raising money, it was really important for them to remain focused on the spirit and the mission. And that was, this is to help artists. There's one interesting story here in the growth. They had this change that they're rolling out in terms of how how the interface worked. And they fully split tested it and everything, but they didn't communicate it to anyone. So, they, but you know, they split tested. They thought for sure it would be accepted. Once they rolled it out, nope, people hated it. What it taught them is you need to talk to people. You just can't test everything. You need to reach out. You know, just because you tested it doesn't mean it's going to be accepted. You need to reach out and, and speak to people. So there was a couple of things that really stood out with me in this Patreon story. And the first one was, you know, there's this disruptive technology that came along. YouTube that he harnessed because he looked yeah. and said, well, it's a search engine. Boy, I could do this thing. Then for a lot of artists would have considered iTunes disruptive, but he looked at and said, no, this is awesome because between using YouTube to bring people to me and then I can sell the music and keep 100%, well, other than the, the, the feed of Apple and from his perspective, 100% control over the art and the money. This yeah. is great. So he learned how to, how to harness that thing. When Spotify disrupted everything, mm-hmm. he didn't give up. He was like, you know what? This is disruptive. This is bad for artists. This is a terrible thing. But instead of rolling over, let's create a solution. Yeah. And uh, I mean, th- th- there have been a lot of copycats as well. I mean, YouTube is doing it now, right? There are YouTube creators that, that uh, you can subscribe to their stuff via YouTube itself instead of getting it through a third party like Patreon. Sure, absolutely. I heard in an interview with him, there was like there was even others that were playing around with the idea even when he when he launched it. But you know, but I think one of the things that that really made it work for them is what he understood was, okay, yes, this is great for the creator, but if you build it the right way, it's good for the patron as well. The patron wants mm-hmm. to be involved. Exactly. And, and so what he did, this is, this is the classic lesson of, of dealing with customer-facing things, right? It's, it's find where the friction is and eliminate the friction. If you're an artist, if you're a creator, a painter of some kind, you've got fans that, man, they want to support you, right? They're in your corner and they're cheering for you. They're rooting for you and they want to support you. And, uh, uh, but what do they do? right? Oh, I watched your video. I listened to your song. Yeah, but you could give me five bucks a month. That would keep me going. That would put food on the table and, and uh, keep me around to, to do the next song. And that's what this does, right? Yes. And it, it, it lets that patron system go into, into, into a micro mode. So, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, I don't, I don't know specifically like, like Michelangelo or Leonardo da Vinci had, had their patrons, right? But these yes, were rich absolutely. people. These were rich people basically funding their lifestyle. They weren't peasants in the streets going, oh, well, I sure loved the, uh, the St. Peter's, uh, the, you know, the, what you did on the ceiling in there. So uh, I want to chip in every month to, no, there weren't, there weren't people like that. But this allows that, right? Yeah, this, and it, this allows little guys to, to support something that they love as well. 
when you look at the Patreon accounts that have been really successful, I think the other element that it brings is it actually allows you to feel involved with that artist. So for example, mm-hmm. even when you look at the early levels he put together, like the $100 one, you know, his high level would be a monthly Skype call. And we've seen the same thing, you know, what with Daniel Whittington, what Daniel has done with the, with the Crowded Barrel Distillery. Yeah, where, the whiskey tribe. yeah. With the Whiskey okay. Tribe, where you actually feel like you're now part of that artist's life and part of that community. And you're now getting that shared. Ex- and look, it's really interesting because it can become a shared experience with people who have a shared interest, shared interest in that artist, a shared interest in that whiskey. Whiskey Tribe is one of the most successful uh, sites on Patreon. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, in fact, in fact, Patreon held a private academy, a wizard academy uh, over a year ago during South by Southwest, and they brought in some of their biggest, uh, most successful Patreon people and, and uh, had dinner at Wizard Academy and, and uh, listened to Daniel talk about uh, Whiskey Tribe and did a whiskey tasting for him. Wow, that's so that, amazing. That was kind of cool too, yeah. And, and in fact, Jack was here. That's was, cool. Was at Wizard Academy. I say here because that's, that's kind of where I'm sitting, but uh, yeah. And I did not know any of that when I was, when I was uh, doing the research on this. Yeah, I met the dude. That's awesome. You should have grabbed his card so we could have interviewed him for this. <laughs> now, we, the, the, the whole conversation was sort of like this, Stephen. It was, oh, you're, yeah, nice to meet you. Thanks. <laughs> but, you know, if people want to learn a little bit more about Daniel, they can go back and listen to an early episode where you interviewed Daniel Whittington and you guys talked a little bit about Patreon mm-hmm. and the tribe. But the thing I think that's really interesting is – as you said, it's an idea that existed a long time ago. It solves a need for artists. But mm-hmm. I think the magic in it is it solves a need for the patrons as well, where mm-hmm. we want to give back. We want to support that artist. We want to feel like we are part of that community. And mm-hmm. I think this shared experience and feeling part of a community is going to become more and more important as we become more and more geographically spread out and not you know, in offices and, and things, things along that lines. Anyway, Patreon was really interesting because of the evolution it went through and how it came from the artist's perspective of, I want this passive income. But what he mm-hmm. also understood was people want to support artists and that you, and really what they were doing is creating a platform, removing the friction to make those two things happen. And I would even expand. I mean, he, artists were, were what was on their mind when they started it. But I, I don't know that you would call the Whiskey Tribe uh, an, an art endeavor. I mean, you, you, you certainly could. But I think what it enables people to do is support something they're passionate about. Yes. Whether it's art, whiskey, uh, it, it could be just about anything that they want to feel like they're a part of. That Patreon group lets them lets them feel like they're a part of something that's maybe bigger than themselves. People love being a part of something that of uh, folks that share their passions. And you look at, I mean, th- this is not much different than the whole, uh, the whole phenomenon of, of things like comic cons or conventions yes. around passions, right? Music yep. cons, comic con, same kind of thing. Just doesn't, it, it's a way to do it where you're, you're not having to get everybody together in person in one location. I love it. I love yeah. it. Great story. 
Yeah, no, it was, I, I thought it was really interesting. And, and boy, it shows that, um, you know, Jack, a uh, smart, observant guy, I really respected what he what he created. It was quite a remarkable journey that he went on. My one recollection of, of meeting him was he's the last guy in the room you would have picked as as the one that founded it. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah, That's it was fun. just like, like the most down to earth, you know, jeans and a t-shirt kind of guy, just kind of hanging back in the corner of the room. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, David. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Please share us, subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and leave us a big, fat, juicy five-star rating and review. And if you have any questions about this or any other podcast episode, email to questions at the Empire Builders Podcast.com.